You're listening to episode two of Intranatter, the podcast from the Intranatter team. On today's episode, we speak with Jonathan Phillips, Sharon O'Day, and guest Jonathan Seal, talking through their presentations at the Intra Team 2017 event in Copenhagen. Uh, so it's day three of Intra Team event in Copenhagen. I'm here with Jonathan Phillips and Jonathan Seal, and this is me, Sharon O'Day. Um, Jonathan Phillips, that is. Digital Jonathan. Um, <laughs> Tell me about the last day or so. What have you been talking about? Who have you spoken to? And what are the key themes that are sticking out for you? So I've had the pleasure of uh, talking about two topics, actually, in the last uh, two days. Um, yesterday I was talking about measurement, and today I was talking about mobile. Um, and I guess I'll start with the measurement stuff, first of all, because it's an observation that I see at a lot of conferences where uh, folks are proudly talking about the work that they do, and they they will come up with some measurement or some statistical uh, analysis to demonstrate exactly how uh, profitable or how successful their piece of work has been. And my, my feeling has been for many, many years that actually we just are not very smart about measuring. We're doing a lot of measuring, but not necessarily measuring the right things and the things that will actually lead ultimately to, to insight and to action. So the topic of, of my yesterday's uh, just 20-minute uh, catch-up was, was around that and about uh, not necessarily about the things that you should measure, because I think it's pretty obvious to everyone that um, you can't copy somebody else's management dashboard and say, yep, that'll do for me. It's, it's a very unique thing for each organization. And actually, increasingly, I believe, probably for each individual uh, member within a, an organization. But there are probably some strong principles that you can apply uh, that will help you refine and filter down to the measures that really will make an impact. So I was talking about you know, some of the, the, the measurement scandals that we've seen over the last couple of years from, from VW and, and other companies that have been in, implemented, uh, in, incremented into that piece of work and, and talking about why those things happened and the things that we can avoid. And, uh, and I know that uh, from the, the, again, the, the kind of back-channel conversation after the, the meeting, that there was one uh, element that stuck out for many, and that was about Heisenberg. And I'm certainly not about to deep dive into some quantum mechanic physics, but the principle of investing too much energy into measuring starts to distort the very thing that you are measuring is a really interesting principle. So uh, I was talking about, for example, the, the fact that you can easily add code to um, a page in order to check the time that it takes for a page to load. Uh, of course, adding that code slows the page time down. So there are things like that that we wanted to be alive to and to do our level best to try and avoid in building out these measurements. So that was yesterday and today was, was all about mobile. And actually the word filtering came up there again. It's about making sure that your mobile experience is really optimized for the people and for the time and for the device that people have when they're on that mobile phone. And regrettably, that isn't simply about copying a desktop experience and throwing it directly at a small screen. What it really is about is, is making true time to understand the time and the place and the device and making a mobile internet work for that. So that's really been my last two days, which um, it's been a fascinating experience. And as ever, with any conference, the conference presentations are very short, but the, the conversation outside of the conference room goes on for many hours afterwards, and that's probably the bit that I find the most liberating. And you, Sharon, you also have been on the stage presenting on a number of topics. So 
What have been your highlights, your thoughts? How have those speeches gone for you two? Um, I've done one, the other I'm doing later today. So my first talk was um, an introduction to chatbots for the enterprise. Um, which I stepped in at the last moment to do, as it's something I've been experimenting with a little bit outside of work, but it seems to have been a key theme in a lot of the corridor conversations. Um, so Jonathan Steele has been talking about that a lot over the last couple of days as well. So mine was a very much an introduction, what they are, what potential applications they could have in, in the workplace, uh, and, the, and the potential impact they could have in simplifying uh, the workplace experience for users. So at the moment, my feeling is we expect users to go to so many different systems that will be procured by different bits of the business. There'll be one from, or at least one from HR, IT, line of business systems and so on. And they all look different, they all work differently. Um, yeah, they all work differently. And, um, and they have completely different user experiences and quite a, quite a lot of them, if we're frank, have very poor user experiences. So the chat interface can really act as a bridge between all of those systems and simplifying it so just the information you need at the right time. And what's, I think, interesting about the chatbot space is you can deliver it within an environment that users are very used to using anyway, which is messenger apps. Mm. So these days people spend more time in their messenger than they do in anything else on their phone. It's one of the, as you observed earlier today, John, that people spend the majority of the time in a, a small handful of apps, and one of those is likely to be the messenger app of choice. Mm. So if you can use that as a way of surfacing um, information or giving people simple ways to access information or transactions within the workplace, I think would be on to a winner. Um, I think that space is not very mature at the moment, and we're very much focused on rules-based bots, where it's kind of a question and answer tree. Mm -hmm. But as that starts to mature, we'll focus a lot more on kind of on artificial intelligence, on smart bots that learn as as, uh, as they're used. And that's where it segues quite neatly onto what uh, other Jonathan was talking about, which was around how we can get a bit smarter in the workplace. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. So um, I think one of the things that I was really intrigued about coming to this conference was how. Uh, much the conversation was going towards with chatbots and, and seeing those things discussed. It's um, it's quite rare for me to to go into an environment like this and have and have people who are already geared up to have conversations about them. So that was really positive. So my my session was really a slightly broader one around artificial intelligence in the workplace, generally, and then segueing into uh, into chatbots specifically. But I think for me, artificial intelligence. Uh, is is about how can we empower people. A lot of people tend to think about it as intelligent machines are going to come and take our jobs away. And I think for me, the um, the idea of that is is probably a bit superficial. And really, what we should be looking at is how we can leverage intelligent machines to to really transform the workplace in a, in a positive way. You know, we we are in control at least at the moment. So let's uh, let's use that control and, and use it as a means of augmenting our people and making them. You know. Uh, absolutely superpowered cyborgs in, in some way you know can we can we use artificial intelligence to enable them to do their their jobs more efficiently more effectively be more productive and also really uh, also more um, more engaged with with the companies that they work for so the the chatbot um, side to that I suppose is really about how you harness artificial intelligence and make it a positive experience for them as, uh, as Sharon you were saying when it comes to typical interfaces with digital workplace systems they can be incredibly poor experiences mm. so anything that you can do to 
to elevate people. So, you know, I like to think of it as the, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of need, where you've got, uh, you know, all these sort of factors at the bottom, and really people want to operate in that top part where they're they're operating the flow. They're able to really, uh, you know, be delivering at their highest potential. And anything that we can do to help elevate them up that system means that you've got a, a much more engaged workforce, a much more, uh, you know, happy workforce. People who can, you know, it's, it's much better for talent attraction and retention. I think that's that's the key uh, factor for me. Is how do we look at it as a, a mechanism of talent attraction and retention. Very good. I, I saw described uh, on Twitter, in the, again in one of the digital back channels, I suppose, of the conference today, that chatbots are almost an active middleware. So they act potentially as an aggregator for, for digital workplace technologies, but more so, it's not just a, you know some Slack connections. Mm. Actually, they're mm. adding value to that space as well. And I, I really liked that idea of that active middleware approach. What, what's your view? Yes, so I think if we, uh, if we talk about them as chatbots, we can sometimes uh, devalue the concept because really it is about having uh, an intelligent mediator between us and, uh, and systems. Uh, you know, the way I like to look at it is it's almost like if you could say, if I could take a version of myself and I could copy it and create a digital version of myself that I can just give simple natural language commands to and it can go and do all the drudgery, yeah. all the boring, uh, depressing activities where you're typing in repeated information and, and go and plug that through, then I, I'm, I'm onto a winner because suddenly I'm empowered to go and do things that are much more uh, intellectually satisfying, uh, much more profitable and productive for the company too. So that's that's my view on it. Let's have it as a as a, an intelligent digital avatar of ourselves that can go and, and do stuff on our behalf. And uh, I, I smile somewhat, which never comes across well on podcasts, yeah. <laughs> but uh, to draw the analogy, uh, if you could build out a digital reflection of yourself and have that in the office so that when people come up to you and say, hey, Jonathan, could I just... And you just go, the response you need is... Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't even need to be in the office anymore, which would be a really uh, a huge plus. Um, any other takeaways from, from the conference? from you, Jonathan? Yes, so I think one of the other things that I was really intrigued about because I haven't particularly been close to it is uh, is Workplace by Facebook. Mm -hmm. That was um, uh, not new to me, obviously I'm aware of the concept, but I haven't really looked into it in any detail. Uh, and I was actually surprised by how, uh, how positive the response has been to it. I think you know, my first reaction when I started looking at it, especially with the kinds of companies that we deal with, was, you know, security risks, data privacy, all those kind of areas. I was thinking it could be a little bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was, yeah, really positively encouraged by some of the uptake and comments around that, especially some of the features like the sort of, you know, live video and mm. some of those things, which obviously it's going to be good at for yeah. obvious reasons. But I think that was a positive one. Yeah, I think it was a key theme for me as well, that it, it was amazing to see such positive results from it. But we, I mean, we've talked quite a lot, Jonathan, about Workplace by Facebook. We, we wrote a series about it for the blog at the tail end of last year, mm -hmm. uh, which was, has been really popular. And actually, we had a lot of those same concerns around its security features. I think one of the things for me is, because it's got that high degree of familiarity and, crucially, to your point, Jonathan, it's designed to be a mobile-first product that delivers stuff to people at the point of need. It's got great potential. I think it's actually a super, super product. Except it, it seems to focus at the moment, at least at the very superficial engagement level. So sharing messages, being able to respond to those and let yeah. people know how you feel. However, I, I think that we're probably at the very early stages of what Facebook Workplace can do. Yeah. Once they start opening up that app marketplace, making it available for, for people to, to develop bots on, I think we'll start to see it become a real kind of productivity driver and, and value driver in the workplace. I think it's got a huge amount of potential because it doesn't require that, that level of, of learning, but also it's just incredibly easy to, to use and to roll out. 
And I think we saw that from the Red Cross, who did yeah. an excellent presentation on their workplace implementation. Um, theirs had only been live, I think, for a match of almost of hours, in fact, when they were presenting in the room. But we're already talking about you know, tens of thousands of people in that space, tens of thousands of messages. Uh, and I was really impressed just with how you can almost go from nothing to a vibrant community in a very mm. quick amount of time. And that's obviously driven, I would suggest, in, in the main by that familiarity with the technology, that familiarity with the platform, and, a, and, a, and a, an incredibly deep understanding. There was one other takeaway for me about the, the workplace experience, and that came from uh, from a speaker who was speaking from, uh, from in, in Poland. And they were talking about the fact that they didn't roll out any training, for example, mm. for the workplace. and. When I first heard that, it, it kind of resonated, and I said, yeah, of course, because, you know, as far as I know, Facebook have never sent me on a training course yet to understand their platform. There's an intuition about it and, uh, you know, a journey that I've been through over the last seven or eight years, which has led me to my current understanding of it. But what they did say is that when they did some feedback and they'd ask people what they liked and what they didn't like, they were observing, for example, that 70% of their employees did not like the notifications, they didn't like the amount of stuff that the system was throwing back, which is a very obvious training thing. You could have, even for the sake of five minutes, said, notifications might annoy you. Switch them off like this. So I, I exercise that word of caution that actually there's familiarity and there's almost over-familiarity mm -hmm. and that we shouldn't necessarily just assume that because it's workplace, folks will know. I, and I think that leads to another observation, which is before workplace uh, by Facebook was, was launched officially, people did question about whether Facebook really understood the enterprise space. Mm. Other organisations have tried and failed uh, in, in that regard, so Google being a notable example. To me, the notifications thing feels like a, a bit of a schoolboy error. It's something that Yammer got wrong eight years ago that could have been learned from. That is there a, a naivety, perhaps, that, to think that everything that works in the consumer space will, will work in, in the, the workplace one? Well, I think, uh, you know, we are very used to technologies um, having a sort of a latency from consumer space to business space. I think we, uh, we do expect naturally that people will come in with an expectation driven by consumer space and then see that reflected, you know, 18 months, two years down the line in, in the business space. It, it is um, very much an open point, I think, as to whether that, that will translate with this. I think the one, um, the one area I do think is is interesting for me in the workplace space especially um, to do with moving beyond the superficial collaboration that you talked about is is around sort of documents and document management right. and uh, that whole world it feels like that could be a, um, a a challenge for them to get right given that you've got so many providers who focus on exclusively that and trying to get that right See, documents is a, an interesting question for me. I had a, a, a long discussion with, with Lee Bryant about this yesterday. We, we wonder why email persists in the workplace. For me, it feels like the problem isn't email. The problem is actually an addiction to documents. If you no longer have documents, you no longer need to email them around. But somehow, culturally, within our organisations, we feel like we haven't done a day's work unless we've locked it into a PowerPoint document, which is a format that was designed to be printed but never is. So why say it in a conversation or workplace when you can put it in 27 slides and some smart art? And I find I'm as guilty about this as anyone. Um, and actually, that if we are really to unlock the value, we need to help organisations understand that 
conversation and collaboration as a valid output of your work day in and of itself. As soon as you put something in the document, effectively you've locked it in, it starts to have versions. Um, and that's not really how, how we work today. Mm. So I think we actually, to go back to that point about Lee Bryant, need to fundamentally rethink what work looks like for us. I think it's a really really challenging question. I think there's also something that I know, Sharon, you've previously spoken about, is the, the idea of how social material becomes published material and that kind of journey from one to the other and uh, that's another observation for me in, in workplace which is that I can see I can see live conversations I can see that kind of social connection that social collaboration what I can't see in the examples where it's definitely needed where how you hand off yeah. from that experience into something which is slightly more tangible that could ultimately then be on shared um, and it's something actually which is not unique to, to workplace I see this in in Jive and many other pack packages too I, I think it, where Jive and Google have documents as their mm. as part of the workflow that feels somewhat more <coughs> seamless yeah. but equally so you know something could begin as a discussion and then it could move into a collaborative document at some point it will become a published policy or, or a, a product or something that's yeah. much more tangible and effectively finished. There is, I think there is a challenge there with something like workplace that, that it's never finished. Um, and actually, I guess it is that point of how do we move things beyond that superficial collaboration onto a, a tangible workplace artifact. Yeah. Or are they simply reflecting uh, the nature of, of, of work and, and the future direction in, in assuming that things will always be in beta and there will never be a finished <laughs> policy or, or anything else? It's a... I'm not sure what a beta policy on, <laughs> on bullying in the workplace looks like. It would, it would be interesting to see. But yeah. Test and learn. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure we could pass that through a lawyer and see how that, see how that rolls. But yeah, absolutely. So I think that's been a really interesting theme again this, this last few days about, as you say, Jonathan, about how workplace uh, could potentially change, uh, no pun intended, the workplace. And I think that would be, be fascinating to see too. You've been listening to episode two of Intranetter, the podcast from the Intranetterson team featuring Jonathan Phillips, Sharon O'Day, and today's guest, Jonathan Seal. Thanks to the Hackney Colliery Band for use of music.